0: Rep McKay here, and welcome to another edition of the Art of Manliness podcast. When it comes to getting in shape, there are always a bunch of excuses to use as why you can't get yourself in gear. You don't know what program to start, you don't have any time, you don't have any equipment, et cetera, et cetera. My guest today cuts through those excuses and the unnecessary complications people often bring to health and fitness to show us how you can lose weight and get strong in ways that are wonderfully simple, but powerfully effective. His name is Dan John. He's a strength and throwing sports coach, a writer of many books and articles on health and fitness, and a college lecturer. We begin our conversation with Dan's two foundational approaches. Approaches to simplifying your life called Shark Habits and Pirate Maps, which help you organize and streamline all your decisions, in turn, helping you focus on and stay consistent with your diet and workouts. We also talk about the way being part of an intentional community can help you keep on track with your fitness goals. From there, we get into dance quadrants for eating and exercise. There's reasonable workouts, tough diet, reasonable workouts, reasonable diet, tough workouts, reasonable diet, tough workouts, tough diet, and when you should be in one quadrant or the other. We then talk about a very simple way to get started with lifting called the one, two, three method. Dan's highly effective Ten Thousand swing kettlebell challenge and how you can still work out even if all you have is a single dumbbell we also talk about one of the most effective bodyweight exercises the pull-up and the overlook key to working your way into them if you can't do a single rep right now we then talk about why dan thinks you should exercise outside more often and the difference between health and fitness and we end our conversation with dan's prescription for losing weight after the show's over check out our show notes at aom.is simple strength All right, Dan John, welcome back to the show. Hey, it's an honor,
1: Brett. I don't know if you know this, but I've been a big fan of the site for a long time. And we have a Catholic high school here in Salt Lake City called Juan Diego Catholic High School. And the principal is actually using a lot of your work to work with the young men. And I think that's something you should be allotted for because the materials, uh, yeah, I mean, some of the stuff, I'm like, you know, how to use an ax and stuff like that. That's great. But it's some of the other stuff that's on your site that, Kind of has has real value and meaning to this this generation. A lot of a lot of important steps are being skipped in our education process, and it's. I think you ought to know that uh, people are listening and using your
0: material to make a difference. Well, thanks for letting me know. That's always great to hear, especially when schools are using the information. I've also like prisons use the information yeah. for stuff. And so that's so always yeah. great to hear when that that's going on. I like that. That's why we do what we do.
1: Yeah, the guys over at Alcatraz were really interested in how to build a raft, and uh, okay. <laughs> that, <laughs> didn't
0: <laughs> no. that didn't work out for them. That didn't work out for maybe, maybe, maybe they escape. We don't know. All right. Well, you're a strength and conditioning coach. We've had you on. You're on three years ago, almost to the day, and uh, wanted to bring you back because I've been seeing some of the stuff you've been writing about. You know, maybe a decade ago, making its way, it's circulating again. It's coming viral again. Some of the workouts you've developed over the years, and I thought it'd be fun just to bring you back on, talk about some of the the stuff, but also just dig deep into physical fitness, strength and conditioning, sure. and just how to how to improve our performance. So let's start off with this. Yeah. Um, as a as a coach, one of your biggest challenges, I I would think, maybe I'm wrong, but one of the big challenges of a coach is helping your athletes stay consistent with their programming or their training. And I know a lot of people, that's the, the big challenge when they start off on a fitness program, they get going, but then they fall off the wagon, they get going, they fall off the wagon. So your experience, I mean, you've been doing this for decades. I mean, how, what are your best tips for being consistent with a, an exercise program? Well, see,
1: I think if you don't mind, I think we're, you just, you just walked into a much bigger thing than you think. I just wrote a book called Attempts. And I, I like the book, and the first part is about some of my new discoveries about goal setting. And and I'm going to tell you an odd thing. When I was an administrator back in 1996, I found this list in this little. It was you know those uh, they don't make them anymore, but there was this. It was a thing called a magazine. That's going to scare some of your listeners. And in this magazine, it had these three rules of success: show up, don't quit, ask questions. And I just That became my motto. I mean, that, and so it's number one is to show up, but let's see that. I say that and people are going, yeah, show up. I'm with you. But that, I just wasted everybody's time because what you need is an actual other toolkit. And if you don't mind, can I kind of go off for a few seconds about how I do it? Do it. So I've got two basic tools I use. The first is called shark habits and shark habits comes from my good friend, Rob Wolf who was the, you know, the paleo guy, the paleo nutrition guy. In fact, Rob was my second email that I ever sent, which will tell you how amazing that is to say out loud. Shark Habits is this, one bite and it's gone. So let's just go to the basics. Brett, you call me up and say, Dan, will you come to my wedding? To me, that's a binary decision. I look at my calendar, yes or no. So that's, to me, a Shark Habit is yes. If I If I am going to go, I RSVP. I go to online, I buy the gift that you registered for, and then I show up. You you got that? I wear, it's kind of a joke, but it's true. I I bought 16 of the exact same black polo shirt because all they had in North America was the 16 in my size. So I got all 16 of these shirts and that's what I wear. So I never think about what I'm going to wear because it's a shark habit. I decided black polos look nice in me. That's what I'm going to wear. So that's what shark habits are. And they can become a little bit more elegant, too. For example, I'm a big believer that as a family, you should have a menu. I mean, when my daughters were young, it was steak and salad on Monday. Tuesdays was what my wife would make what we called Viking enchilada. Three on uh, on, on Wednesdays, I, I made what I called Irish jambalaya. And four was breakfast for dinner. That, that's good enough for you. But we also had a, a, a chores chart. And we did uh, white laundry on Monday nights dark laundry on Tuesday nights and Wednesday was clean the bathrooms. Now you're going to, you're going to have people say, well, I don't, how does that help you? Well, if on a Saturday, I walked past the bin of white laundry and I saw it was full, you know what my reaction was? That's a Monday chore, not a Saturday chore. And I was able to dismiss it out of my head. And when you go shopping, you have a shopping list that ties into the menu when my daughters got a little bit older, I, I even moved to a breakfast menu that we would do, I don't know if you know what these are, but bird's nest or paradise. That's where you you cut out a hole in the middle of a piece of bread and you put the egg in it. Everyone knows what it is, but you know that was like a, that might've been Wednesday breakfast. Monday breakfast might've been protein enriched oatmeal. You got that? Got it. So what it does, what shark habits do is it frees your mind up. Anything that's a kind of a binary decision. I mean, seriously, I hate to say this, but what's for dinner is kind of a very small end decision that uh, you probably, if you, most families probably have, boy, I'm going to say 10, but honestly, it's probably less list of meals that they actually eat. And you can make nutritionists, you know, you're adding more vegetables and all that. So why not just make it a policy? Monday is what, this is what we eat. And then when we go shopping, we buy the ingredients, for what we're going to eat on Monday. So shark habits is number one. Now, number two is comes from Pat Flynn. In fact, Pat is coming out this week with a whole bunch of these. Something we call pirate maps. Now, this is important for athletes and anybody who has a goal. So just stick with me for a second. Pirate map. Go to St. John's Island, find the white coconut tree, take seven paces to the west, dig down. That's pretty simple, right? Let me give you my pirate map. Every night before I go to bed, I make my to-do list. In fact, Brett, your name is on my to-do list from last night. I have you at one o'clock and then I make coffee because I wake up to the smell of coffee. And then the first thing I do in the morning is I try to be grateful for something. If I can't be grateful, it kind of indicates I didn't sleep well. Every day I take a short meditation. I use a app called one moment meditation or I do the longer one with brain.fms. Every day I strive to eat eight to 14 different vegetables. And then the final pirate map is Every day, I do some mobility work called original strength, and then five days a week, I lift weights and walk. If I do those five things every day, and by the way, that's taped on my computer, on the top of my computer, and it's also in my journal. If I do those five steps every day, statistically, there's a good chance I'll dance at my granddaughter Josephine's wedding. I'm 63, she's six. People in my family don't live long. So this is the toolkits that I use now, so you say, well, what does, how does that relate to performance? Coach Mon told me back when I first met him in fall of 1977, the secret to being a good discus thrower, lift weights three days a week, throw the discus four days a week for the next eight years. Now, Brett, for the record, everybody misses that last part where it said eight years. But if I just say, okay, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I'm going to throw the discus. Okay. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I'm going to lift weights. Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, I'm going to throw the discus. If I just stick to that simple template, all my dreams come true. If I get a good night's sleep, I eat my vegetables, I eat my protein, drink my water, lift weights three days a week, throw four in eight years, I'm going to be about as good as I can be. Yes, obviously, there's more, obviously. But that's pretty good. And so for me, the first thing I do when I work with people now is I try to, I love that, the decluttering craze that's been around for a while. The first thing I'm going to do is try to get you to declutter your life. If, you know, I'm going to ask you about, you know, the food that you have in your, in your food cupboard, what's in your refrigerator? You know, what is it, what is your bedroom like? Is it quiet? You actually allow your, you have a TV in your bedroom. No, no. Let's get that out of there. Uh, are you, are you sticking with me here, Brett? I am. Yes. Because once we kind of clear things up and kind of get a little bit, I hate being binary. I hate binary, but when it comes to certain things in life that are important, but are not your goal, turn those into shark habits. Uh, okay. You're not going to get bored eating Viking enchiladas every Tuesday night. You're, you're just not because we did it for years. Okay. Okay. Anything my wife cooks, we call Viking. Anything I cook, we call it Irish. But here's the nice thing. You always have the ingredients you need. You know what to bring out for tomorrow night's defrosting, or sometimes I'd even make tomorrow night's meal. I'd make two meals in a row. And all of a sudden, what you notice is all this, and it's not, you're not getting free time here. You're not getting extra hours to the day. But what you're doing is you're freeing your brain up to focus on what's truly important. And in my case, it's eating the vegetables, getting the protein, drinking the water, getting a good night's sleep, exercising almost every day of the week. And if I do that day in, day out, magic will happen. So for me, that's the secret. Now, if we're gonna talk about performance athletes, yeah, we're gonna probably have a lifting component, a hill sprint component, technique component, a tactical component, a strategic component, whatever. But really, we're gonna to try to get that into a very simple pirate map. A, it is sort of a do this for the next eight years list.
0: All right, so just to recap, pirate maps are your things like your daily habits, your daily routines and your programming. You always do this, then that, then that. And if you keep following these steps, they're kind of like recipes, right? If you keep following these steps over time, you get to the treasure of better health and fitness. And then shark habits, you make a decision once and you never have to make that decision again. If if X then Y. If it's Monday, you're doing this. If it's Wednesday, you're doing this workout. You don't have to keep figuring out what you're going to do. You don't have to reinvent the wheel every day. And part of this overall one bite and it's gone philosophy for you too is just do stuff now. If it needs doing, do it now.
1: Hey Brett, what what happened when you emailed me? uh You emailed me back. Because see, I hate to say this to you, but you're a shark habit. I said yes, right? That was yeah. that was it. I had right. a binary decision. Yes, I'd love to speak with you again, Brett. Or no, I hate you. Go away. You got the yes, fortunate for you. That's it. And so if I get an email, I if I open my email, I answer every single email. If a bill comes in the mail, I have a checkbook right here, I have stamps right there, I have envelopes right there. I don't write many checks anymore because you know everything's automated. By the way, automating your bill pay is the ultimate shark habit. You <laughs> I mean, I'm a, I don't know how many bills I pay a month, but I don't think about any of them. It's all automatic. My money goes to my my bank, and then we have a little system, and this magic device happens, and the bill comes in and it gets paid. I don't. Th- I mean, I don't think about any of that stuff. So to me, that's what the shark habits are, and then the pirate map is a very simple. Personally, I think you can do five. Some people make pirate maps up to eight, but I'm five is about right for me. If I stick to this eight-year, 10-year, 20-year to-do list,
0: good things will happen. Well, another thing that can help with consistency, so besides, okay, kind of distinguishing between shark habits, pirate maps, know what your pirate maps are, but you also talk about having a home gym or just even just equipment in your home. Could be a dumbbell, could be a kettlebell, can also help with... Just consistency as well.
1: Well, I don't even know. this. There's no nice way to say what I'm about to say because it it comes off as kind of, I'm a jerk with the second I say this. But for my business, COVID has been one of the best things that ever happened to me. And I, I know it's terrible, and I'm a horrible person for saying it, but it is the truth. And in fact, if you'll share with the listeners that code to get that discount at my site, we have this thing on the site called the Workout Generator. You put in what equipment you have at home and what goals you have, and then you get personalized workouts on how many days a week you want to work out, how long you want to work out with what equipment you have and what you know. And then you can scale up and down, like in the squat family, go to goblet squats to overhead squats, for example. But if you have no equipment, that's still fine because body weight is a wonderful tool for a lot of people. If you have one dumbbell, okay. That's fine too. And you're right. I have a magnificent home gym, Brett. I mean, I've got 26 kettlebells, three Olympic bars, bumper plates, two different kinds of hip thrust machines, every farmer bar you think you can think of, all the Highland game equipment, all the track and field throws equipment. Well, that's just part of it. and just it just goes on and on and on. So for me to trade at home, that's no problem at all. I've got everything you need. But gentle listener, comma, you might not, but you still have your body for body weight. You might have a couple of jugs of water. Uh, one, of my, one of my clients realized that empty vinegar bottles uh, are actually a pretty good weight to do a lot of things. I'm like, oh, I never thought of vinegar bottles. So you know, he had this guy training and making progress with you know these discarded vinegar bottles. So it's it's the old cliche. When I was young, it was very common when I was young. If there's a will, there's a way. And I still think, and to be honest with you, that is one of the most important things we need to teach young people. You know, if you have the determination, you'll figure out how to do it.
0: Well, in addition to determination and willpower, you also talk about one thing that can really help sort of supercharge your consistency is being a part, like doing your programming, doing your fitness goals with the with an intentional community. People who are ah, let's let's talk about that. Let's
1: let's talk about intentional community. I'm a huge fan of this. So every day at my house at 930, literally people from all over the world show up and train with me. I want you to know something, Brett, and this is important for you to hear. I'm 63. Do you think i roll out of bed and say, boy, jeepers, I can't wait to work out again today. Do you think that? No. But what I have, Brett, is I have equipment and I have know-how. And the people who show up to my house. Have enthusiasm or interest. And what intentional community means is that we are going to come together as as a community and we are going to work together to better all of us. Now, sometimes it's worse than others. And I'll I'll tell you when it's worse. If someone says, I'm getting ready for a kettlebell certification and I need help, you'll hear everyone kind of groan because that means. We are all going to be, you know, practicing kettlebell swings and snatches and all the rest, which is very tiring. If someone like myself right now, i got an Olympic lifting meet in about a month. So I'm getting ready for this Olympic lifting meet. But at the same time, at my age, I need to do hypertrophy and mobility. So when my group is doing hip thrusts and goblet squats and deficit deadlifts, I'm snatching and cleaning and jerking. If someone's interested, like Jeff Hemingway was here during the summer. And he and I would Olympic lift together while the group was doing the rest of the workout. But we were all together as one during the warm-up period, the original strength, some of the hypertrophy work, certainly the mobility work, and then the walk after. So what you try to do is you just say, let's come together. When I first moved to California, I've since moved back to Utah, Dan Martin called me up one day and he said, you know, I found a park, let's go work out. So Dan brought egg salad sandwiches. I brought the one kettlebell that I had was able to save. Some other people brought TRXs when they first showed up and kettlebells and mats. And I would look around at the assorted pieces of equipment we had and I'd say, okay, here's what our workout's going to be. Now, if somebody was supposed to bring suspension trainers and forgot, well, that meant we were all going to have to go around that. Or if someone was supposed to bring water and didn't, well, we're all going to go thirsty that day. So what you try to do with intentional community bread is get a buy-in by every single member. And each of them becomes an important cog in the success of the entire group. I think it is the most elegant way of training I've ever done in my whole career.
0: We're going to take a quick break for your words from our sponsors. And now back to the show. All right. So recap there for consistency. It sounds like make shark habits also have pirate maps, but then also find a conditional community that can help sort of everyone buys in. Everyone depends on each other and that can help encourage you to keep going. Uh, even when you don't feel like going, cause you're like, exactly. that, guy, that guy depends on me.
1: Yeah. I mean, if you, if you're a musician, I mean, it's nice that you play in your, your, uh, your basement all the time, but I guarantee you will improve if you join an orchestra or a band.
0: Well, let's talk about this quadrant that I came across in your writing. you got so much stuff out there. What I love about what you do, too, is you have these, like, I love these quadrants you create because it really helps you think about things that are are easy to remember. Yeah. So one quadrant is, is how you can approach your diet and fitness. And the quadrant's this. You can have a reasonable workout, tough diet, reasonable workout, reasonable diet, a tough workout, reasonable diet, or tough workout, tough diet. So what do you think, like, for just, like, people who aren't even doing anything, I, I mean, what are they doing? Where, what, what, what quadrant are they in here?
1: Well, here's the problem. You know, one day you wake up fat, and you decide, and that's literally what I'm told all the time. I woke up fat one day. Well, that, there could have been a process ahead of that, but okay. Most people think that they can just light it up and go, the tough workout, tough diet. Now, When I do workshops with this, Brett, one of the first things I do is I ask the people, you know, what is a tough diet? Well, me, you know, certainly I'm a big, I'm a big fan of fasting. I think there's great value to it. I like intermittent fasting. Hardest diet I've ever done was the uh, velocity diet. That's six protein shakes a day. Ask me, Brett, what else? What else? Yeah, there's nothing. you drink wow. six protein shakes a day for 28 days. Folks, that's a tough diet. <laughs> that's that's a tough one. People think they can do the velocity diet and the Soviet squat workout. Uh, I did the Soviet squat workout years ago in the front squat. And one of the days calls for six sets of six. And at the time I needed to use about 315, 325. And when I racked the bar, Mark asked me, what's wrong? I go, I got to do that five more times. It was brutal. Six sets of six with 315 in the front squat. Oh, people think that they can do the Soviet squat program and the velocity diet at the same time. And that's literally impossible. So the interesting thing though, Brett, people seem to understand, you know, professionals in this field, uh, personal trainers, coaches, they know what tough diets are and they know what tough workouts are. But when I follow up and I say, okay, folks, what's a reasonable workout? I mean, dude, it's crickets. I I don't know. What's a reasonable diet? Uh, uh, Eat uh, carbohydrates, protein, and fat. Oh, that's really insightful. Thank you, sir. When we get to the other side, the reasonable, reasonable, where people should live, I would say, Eight to ten months a year, people don't even know what reasonable means anymore. To me, reasonable is when you do push, pull, hinge, squat, loaded carry in that fifteen to twenty-five total rep range, with loads that you know you can, you know, uh, that you're building up on. That's three sets of eight, five sets of five, with a reasonable weight. Three days a week, you have a day for mobility only, and then another day where you do something long—a long walk, a long bike, a long hike. There, that's reasonable.
0: Did that sound reasonable? Yeah, it sounds reasonable.
1: Yeah. What's a reasonable diet? Well, I think at every meal you should have vegetables. Boy, does that throw people off? Vegetables at breakfast. There is no, it's not in the constitution. It's okay with the UN. You can eat vegetables at every meal if you'd like. Vegetables and protein at every meal, drink a lot of water. That's what you should be doing the bulk of the time. Now, there are times, like for example, if you want to lock it up for, you're going to go down to spring break and you want to show off everything, that's when I would tighten up on the diet. So that's maybe where you'd want to have a tough diet for maybe a month, Uh, three weeks to six weeks. Six weeks would be the top end. A month is usually about right, where you lock the diet down. Now, if you want to go low, low, whatever, or do whatever, it doesn't matter, but we all know we all know at some level what that means. Uh, we want to cut back on the total calories. We probably want to cut back on some stupid food. Okay, so reasonable workouts. I'd still like you to lift three days a week, go for that long walk to the mobility day, and then have the tough diet. There's other times where you'd really like to maybe light it up, if you're especially if you're an athlete, with some tough workouts. Maybe you're in an ultimate Frisbee league or I don't know. <laughs> Discus throw, I don't know. Where maybe the month before you get going, you really want to amp up the number of workouts. But to do that, I think you should keep your diet extremely reasonable. Tough workouts, reasonable diet. Before you do something physical, like you're going to go climb Mount Olympus or uh, Mount Rainier or something like that, you really got to up your your training. But I would keep very reasonable in the diet.
0: All right, so mostly you're going to stay in reasonable workout, reasonable diet, occasionally dip into reasonable workout, tough diet, or tough diet, reasonable workout.
1: Right, right. I don't think you can ever actually do tough, tough. That makes sense. Now, now I have a buddy who was getting ready for the Mr. Utah contest, and I helped him. And it's still one of my favorite memories. When, he, when his partner asked me to help him, I thought, oh, you want me to help because of my genius uh, in training? No, basically, he wanted me to help him by picking him up between sets and putting him back on the machine <laughs> because he, he was at about zero calories doing very long workouts. I've never seen anybody else ever do this before. Boy, he looked good under the lights. He was just ripped to shreds. But, folks, you might think you can cut like a bodybuilder. Hate them or love bodybuilders. Watching those guys cut is very, I mean, it is just, it's impressive. It is impressive. And the one famous bodybuilding coach told me one time, oh yeah, it takes about 14 contests to figure out how you should prep. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking about my buddy going, he had to do that 13 more times to figure it out. Yeah. That's not the sport for me. I want to be, I'm going to just keep throwing the discus and Olympic lifting. Yeah. Holy cow.
0: So I just, There are people who can do it. Uh, They're not many. Well, so going back to this idea of like reasonable workout, like you said, a lot of one, I think that's kind of, that can contribute to people giving up on exercise because they're not reasonable. They they overcomplicate things. They make things too hard. And you're a big proponent of keeping it as super easy and simple as possible. And that reasonable workout you gave, just a few movements and you weren't destroying yourself. Like you weren't like, going to failure every set. It was just get stronger, go for a walk.
1: Yeah, I mean, my math skills aren't what they used to be, but if you lift three days a week, it comes out to like 156 workouts a year, I think. If you work out 156 times a year and they're reasonable and repeatable, you're going to be miles ahead of those clowns who just show up the first week of January.
0: Well, so like one of the programs you have, it's a simple one that you've written about. It's like the one, two, three program, where it's just like, you start like with one, one rep and then do all the movements like squat, deadlift, press, and then it's two reps, then three reps, and then you go three, two, one, and that's it. Like you're not, you're not killing yourself. Yeah, You just, every rep is, every rep is, is fast you feel strong and it's, it's a clean rep.
1: Yeah. And it's, uh, so for example, you and I are going to do presses. Now there's two ways to do it. You can do three, two, one, or one, two, three. It just kind of depends on what you like, but these are called ladders. I got, uh, I think, I think Steve Shaffley is the master of these, but uh, I'm going to do, I'm going to do two rounds of one, two, three. So I put on a load that I know I can do five four. I do it for one. Then I look at you and go, that's it? Yeah, that's it. Then I do two. That's it? Yeah. Then I do three. That's it. Then I do one. That was easy. Right. Because to get strong, you need to train your nervous system. So you want to repeat. It's like learning to type, as I always explain to people. When you first type, you go click, 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 click. But pretty soon, you figure out what those letters are, and you go... That's the nervous system figuring out what you want to do. Well, weightlifting starts off with the nervous system kind of catching up to what you want. And then there's that wonderful phrase Rob Wolf use, uses the hormonal cascade when the body says, We've got to get whatever's going on, we've got to get bigger and leaner and better. And then whoosh, that whoosh happens, and all the good and all the magic happens. I think the best thing most people do could do is just get stronger. You know, I'm 63 Brett and I'm still the person you call when you move or you got a couch or a refrigerator to move because strong people tend to be pretty helpful when it's time to move stuff. And I think if you get to a certain level of strength, a lot of magic can happen. And that magic is you, you can make yourself more flexible. You can push through your mobility. And of course You build up some lean body mass that also counters the uh, the uh, adipose tissue, the fat.
0: And and again, like this is reasonable. Like you, I think people have this idea with workouts: you have to like feel like you're destroyed after a workout right? Or you can't like, you know, you have your legs, you can't walk after leg day. Yeah. And you're kind of like, no, you actually have this idea is like easy strength. Yeah. Right? Workouts should, they should, you should feel enthusiastic. You should feel invigorated afterwards. Yeah. Not like you've been completely destroyed.
1: Now, you know, Brett, I mean, there is a time for those. I mean, hey, I'm, I, I also tell people you should be able to do 50 reps with your body weight in the back squat. And then they go, what? Oh yeah. I mean, but It's that June of 1979 when you try to get your back squat high reps in. I didn't say it was for the 80s, 90s, aughts, and teens of the new millennium. There's a time, and there is great value in having those workouts where you can't climb up a flight of stairs, but that's not what you do week in, week out, month in, month out, because you can't, you just,
0: you really can't do it. All right, so you don't want to push yourself really hard all the time because that's that's not sustainable. But if you're having trouble getting started with working out or you don't know what to do, something that could help uh, is take on a specific challenge. And you've come up with a lot of challenges over your career. Some of them, a lot of them have gone viral, and they've become viral again in the past, I would say a few months. And one that's come up again, I think it's because of Covid, is the ten thousand kettlebell swing challenge. So let's talk about it. When did you develop it? Why did you develop it? and what does it look like?
1: Well, it's, it's funny because I never write an article unless I've done it ever. So I got a call from testosterone nation, you know, tnation.com. And the owner was really wanted me to do more articles on kettlebells. And he threw out this thing. Why don't you do like a 10,000 swing challenge? And I said, well, that's a great idea. Of course, what's the problem, Brett? When I said, yes
0: you never done it before, and you you
1: don't know what it's going to be like. I hadn't done it before, so I had to. So Mike Brown, who still trains with me, first day, we picked up the 24-kilo bells and did a 1,000 swings the first workout. Next day, we come in, and we're like, well, that was a good one. I get up to 800 swings, and I say to Mike, I can't move. My back didn't. It wasn't like I needed a spinal adjustment or anything. My back was so full of blood, I couldn't move. And then we kind of said, you know, a thousand a day is too many. <laughs> let's try five hundred. So on day three, we did five hundred. Now we had to make up one workout with two hundred to fill in the other one. But and so we finished the first ten thousand swing challenge, and we were—I mean, I looked at my journals and my notes, and it was all over the place, Brett. It was stupid. And so, okay, let's try. <laughs> Poor Mike, you gotta feel for the poor guy. Let's try this. And so I came up with these other ideas. And finally, I settled on what the original article was. You would do a set of 10 and then you know, set of 10 and do like three pushups, a set of 15, do two push-ups, a set of 25 do one pushup, and then that long set of 50 and you know and then rest. And each day of the week you you'd change the exercise push-up, gobble squat, pull-up. It's something that complemented the swing. Oh, and one day, nothing, just swings. And that was a good idea, and that's what I published first. But very quickly, I got so much feedback that I realized, yeah, I can do 50 swings with a 24-kilo kettlebell, but I'm kind of, I'm I'm not, if you could just reach across the microphone and pat me on the back, I'd appreciate that. But I hate to say it, I'm a big engine, and I know how to swing a kettlebell. So the 50 swings was tough, but I could do it. So then we came up with this 15-35 idea where after the set of 15, you would do a strength movement or a hypertrophy movement. And after the set of 35, a complementary mobility movement. And boy, I came up with six different programs to support that. And I still think, Brett, honestly, that might be the best way to do it. Another way to do it that I love, this is probably, okay, I think the fifteen thirty-five with mixing the hypertrophy mobility, that's really good because you cover so many bases. But my favorite way to do it is I pick up a bell, I do 16 swings with it, my grip kind of goes, I put it down. Next, I pick it up and I go from 17 to 35. Okay. Next, I pick it up again, I go 35 to 40 because something came up. Then I go 40 to 60. And you just build yourself up to the 500 swings. Personally, for the way my brain works, that's my favorite method. And at the end of the 20 workouts, you've accumulated 10,000 swings. Most people report real gains in their grip. Many people report fat loss, very common fat loss. And a lot of people say, weirdest thing, everyone says I look better, but all I did was swing for 20 days. Yeah. Well, you did no, you didn't just swing. You did 500 swings and good things came from that. So that's kind of the long story. And so I've written two full articles uh, on the 10,000 swing challenge, and I'm still surprised how much it still seems to resonate with people. By the way, I would consider the 10,000 swing challenge in the area of a tough workout. So while you're doing that, I would recommend having a reasonable eating program. One time I tried it, doing a modified thing that Dan and Mary Eads, the protein power people had. So I was doing three protein shakes a day and eating a dinner. Okay. And I did the 10,000 swing challenge doing that. But honestly, the wheels started falling off. The bumper came off pretty quickly on that. That might have, you need, you need to eat on this program, Brett, normally.
0: I imagine it's there's been a resurgence. I mean, because like, yeah, people have been stuck at home. They might just have a kettlebell. It's all they got, and so they, well, I'll just do this thing because it doesn't take much uh, much space, and I can get it done in my my apartment.
1: You know what? Uh, A lot of people are discovering that home train. Like I've known this my whole career. I've been I've been training at home. Obviously, I use gyms. Obviously, there's no question about that. But since 1971, I've always had my own home gym. Actually, it'd be a little bit earlier. I only started. writing in my diary in March of 1971, but I had been lifting at home before that. It's when I got my adjustable incline bench that I started recording workouts. And I'm glad I did because I can tell you what I was doing almost every day of my life since March of 1971. What's interesting about the home workouts and a lot of your listeners who kind of move to that, a lot of the excuses get knocked out of the way. And there's also... A weird kind of, it since I'm not being distracted by, or, uh, Brad, I can't say this without com- coming off as kind of a jerk, but I like to win the weight room. I like everybody to know that I'm the strongest person there. Okay. I'm a horrible person. I just said it. Now, when I'm training at home, I just do the workout. I If the workout calls for three sets of eight in the overhead squat. That's what I do. I don't get cute. I don't add more. I don't, I do what the workout says to do. And that is a real gift of home training. And the fact that you save all that time in commuting, which I'm not sure where you live exactly, but if, you know, I don't, you know, even if your gym is 10 minutes away, that's a 20 minute, that's 20 minutes out of your day commuting versus, you know, and I got to tell you, in twenty minutes, you can get a pretty good little workout. In heck, twenty minutes is a lot of time.
0: Yeah. With the uh, going back to the ten thousand kettlebell swing challenge, how do you figure out which which weight to use? Like how much weight to use on that?
1: Well, I have this really highly scientific formula that a few people have actually tried it. It's in the articles, but it, honestly, in full candor, if you're a male, use a twenty-four. If you're a female, you probably should use the sixteen kilo. 12, if you're truly light, that's usually what it comes out to.
0: Well, another piece of equipment that you can use. I mean, so a lot of people with the, with COVID, they've been trying to build home gyms, but because everyone's been trying to do it at the same time, like (laughs) gym equipment is hard to come by, but people have been able to get their hands on some dumbbells or even just a single dumbbell. And you say, that's enough. Mm -hmm. And like, I mean, so they can go to your site, they can kind of generate a workout with that. But like, kind of give us an idea. If someone just had a a single dumbbell, what could they do with that for a, a workout?
1: Well, a single dumbbell, (laughs) It's kind of, I mean, when my, in 1991, I had one of the world's best gyms to train at the upper limit here in Murray. And then one day they closed. I mean, we had like nine Olympic platforms and bumper plates everywhere and they just shut down. And so I had a rusty bar, two 35 pound plates, two 25 pound plates, but then someone found an old Olympic dumbbell that I could slide those 25s on. And when I first saw kettlebell snatches, I started doing dumbbell snatches. Well, from the dumbbell snatches, I, I that's when I invented waiter walks. That's where you walk with the bell over your head, right? So I would do these dumbbell snatches. And then when I got tired, I would walk, you know. So let's say I like could do 15 dumbbell snatches. I mean, it was 61 pounds. So it's a, it's a good amount of weight. Walk a little bit, put the weight down, switch hands. You can also do, oh, I mean, with a dumbbell, press, 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 press. And then we do a variation when we do our heavy hands called the curl and press. And I got to tell you, Mike was telling me the other day about this. These guys online, they take a light bell, be more like a 10 or 15 or 20, and they curl and press, curl and press for a couple hundred reps. Now, I don't know if that's good or bad for you, but <laughs> that's... that's that's a lot of work, man, and I and sometimes that's that's all you need with the single dumbbell. I mean, I would just go online and look up, you know, single dumbbell workouts. They're they're all over the place. I have a whole book based on single kettlebell workouts. It's going to be the same thing: goblet squat, a fundamental swing, a curl and press, the snatch, waiter walks. You could do suitcase carries as one hander walks. Yeah, there's there's plenty. There's plenty to do. A lot to do. Yeah, and, and remember, it's the will. If you use your imagination, you know? you know, don't let the limitations bother you. I mean, so many times in my life, I've been, and I, I got to tell you, I think this is my best coaching moments is, and I have a phrase when I coach people, deprivation increases capacity. When I was coaching at Judge Memorial... We didn't have a discus ring. We didn't have a field to throw in. Yet we had nine straight state discus champions because I innovated. We found a big wall and threw power balls into a wall. So if you only have something, don't think of it as, as a bad thing. Think it as a boon. Think it as I have the opportunity to use my brain to increase my training. That's that's I would hate to say I it's, yeah, I'm going to say it. it's a gift. It's an odd style of
0: gift. So another exercise, if you don't even have any equipment that's really effective to getting strong is the pull-up. Oh, lovely. you pull-up. say, yeah, you say that every man should be able to do five pull-ups. There's a lot of guys who can't even do one. So like, I mean, how do you, how do you work your way up to doing more pull-ups if you can just barely do one?
1: Sure. Yeah. I have a whole program. It's in my new book attempts. i um, by the way, folks, when I say this, I'm not selling the stuff to you. I'm just saying this is where you can find it. It's in my new book, Attempts, and it's also in the Dan John University site. It's called the Post-Deployment Program. And I came up with this working with uh, our uh, elite military forces. Oh, and I love it, by the way. I love this program a lot. The first month, week one, okay, week one, you hang as long as you can, a straight-arm hang. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, for example, okay? Week two, you do two rounds of straight arm hang, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Week three, you do three rounds. And week four, you do four rounds. On the fifth week, week one, you do the bent arm hang. Okay, either the chin-up grip or the pull-up grip. And, you know, week one once, week twice twice, week three, three times, week four, four times. Here's the funny thing. There's a thing we joke about in my field all the time called Middle aged pull-up syndrome. Okay. And that's the pain. And you could I can point to it right now, right in that elbow, when you try to you, you try to kill a set of pull-ups that you were not ready for. Okay. Well, by hanging both straight arm and bent arm, with your your, your chin is over the top, your body figures out how to do it. And then month three, Brett, here's what you strive to do, is that on month three, hang for 30 seconds and do, and then do one pull-up. Now, for those people who have never done a pull-up, I, I want to guarantee it because that's, I'm no Joe Namath in Super Bowl three. but if by the third month, with all that hanging and all that time, your grip has gone through the roof and your specific strength has gone through the roof and then pop up and see if you can get some pull-ups. I had a guy who didn't follow my sage advice, and he decided, oh, about the sixth week of what I told you to do, he was going to test himself on pull-ups. He had never done one. How many does he do on week six of this program? He does five pull-ups because hanging is probably more important for most people who can't do pull-ups than actually practicing the pull-up.
0: No, hanging is like one of those overlooked movements. I mean, it's not a movement, but it's, it can like, I mean, most of us, we, because of our office jobs that we have, we're hunched over a computer all the time. And, you know, your, your shoulder is like meant to go over your head, but we never given an opportunity to do that with, and hanging can let you do that.
1: In one of my recent YouTubes, I give people a one minute daily mobility thing. And it's, 30 seconds of hanging and 30 seconds of sitting in the bottom of the goblet squat. And if all you got is one minute, do your, (laughs) okay, here's, here's your three minutes to somewhat happiness. Okay. One minute of going over your to-do list and making sure you have all the phone numbers and everything else you need for the day. A one moment meditation, 30 seconds of hanging, 30 seconds of the goblet squat bottom position. Go off in your day. If you can't give me three minutes, well, first, I think you're lying to me. But that three minutes that, that will be a game changer for a lot of you
0: listening. Well, another thing you talk about throughout all your work is you, you encourage people to get outside oh, and yeah. do their workouts. Why yeah. why that why 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 have you long been an advocate for that? I don't know, maybe because that's a discus thrower and you can only throw outside, I guess.
1: Uh <laughs> no, um I think you know, Brett, I think when you go outside, the the, the rules change a little bit. You know, if, if you and I were gonna we're gonna go we're gonna go there's a i'm right near a big park called wheeler okay so you and i are we're going to go over to wheeler farm and we're going to walk we're going to put ankle weights on and we're going to do a we're going to walk around the park well once we get there which is you know a half a mile from here we start walking and oh look there's some birds and pretty soon and by the way i don't want you to have your uh your earbuds on, we're just going to talk. And, oh, there's a bird, a a sage jay. I think they're called here in Utah. Oh, look, there's a cooper hawk. Oh, there's a squirrel. Yay. And what you begin to notice is that what you thought was going to be a 30 minute walk is an hour and 10 minute walk. And then we got to walk back that extra half an hour. When you go outside, we become more playful. And I think we become a little bit more human. And that's a good thing in my view.
0: Yeah, that's something you've talked about like that's a, that's an important part of health. Maybe not fitness, right? Fitness you're fit to do something, you're fit to lift weight, you're fit to run. Mm-hmm. But if you're looking mm-hmm. for overall health, you need that engagement with outdoors, engagement with people that makes you feel good.
1: Yeah, let me let's go through a couple of words real fast, okay? So the word health, I use Matthew definition, the optimal interplay of the human organs. So and you you find out about your health through doctor visits, through Uh, going to the dentist, uh, getting those blood tests done, that kind of thing. Fitness is the ability to do a task. And this is where we get ruined in my industry because people run with the word fitness too much. You know, they try to make it, oh, if you, if you can't, you know, do 10 muscle ups, you're not fit. No muscle up is a, is a test. The third word is longevity and that's both quantitative and qualitative discussions Uh, People in my family don't live long. That's just a fact. I said that at a workshop last year, and someone came up to me after and said, you know, you shouldn't talk like that. Didn't know at the time that my brother had just died. So the next day, same workshop. I said, this is breaking my heart. My my brother died last night, you know? Uh, And the final one is what I do, which my career is all about, which is performance. And performance is when someone says your name and you step up and perform. And the mistake we get sometimes, and by the way, the tools of performance can help you in fitness. The secrets of longevity can help you in performance. These four intertwine a lot, but you also have to keep them separate. Otherwise, you get a little confused. Like, for example, saying that the fittest person on earth won the Ironman triathlon. Well, that's not true. He's fit for the Ironman triathlon. He can't throw the discus 244 feet. The fittest discus thrower of all time is Jürgen Schultz. He threw 243. Well, someone raised their hand and goes, well, Dan, that's a weird definition. No, your, your, your definition is screwed up because it's a task. And if the task is, you know, I'm, you know, I don't know, but if, if you meet a guy who's 106 and he became a father this year, well, first off, God bless you. And number two, he might not be fit to, teach the kid how to drive, but he was fit for the task of becoming a father. You follow that? And I I think people miss that. Oh, one other thing, Brett, before I go, whenever I go over those four, a hand goes up and says, what about fat loss? And I'm always like, ugh. <laughs> okay. And now, and now, of course, the fat loss discussions, which was-
0: – yeah, that's what everyone wants. that's well, that's why that's why most people are like I'm gonna exercise. I got I got the spare tire, I wanna lose yeah. some weight, gotta get rid of it. And and fat loss mostly happens in the kitchen. And I quote this all the
1: time, but years ago, a woman raised her hand at one of Art Devaney's workshops and she says, How do you get rid of fat? And he famously said, Don't get fat in the first place. And I think one of the things you can do with your site, Brett, and I'm not telling you what to do, but having honest conversations about the teenage and 20 somethings. Buying into, you don't want to put on that freshman 40. You know, you don't want to do the pizza and beer diet. You really, it's, it's, (laughs) I'm 63 and little Danny did a nice job staying in fairly good shape his whole life. And, and I have to applaud him for it because it allows me to do certain things at 63 that I otherwise would have him do other things at this age to undo the damage of my idiocy of my youth.
0: Well, let's, let's, I mean, so don't get fat in the first place, let's say, but let's say you are fat. It's just, it's basically a lot of it's nutrition, anything with exercise that you can do to help with that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Here's the thing. Now, what's going to happen when you go to a workshop, but it happens quite a bit. And I deal with this all the time. Someone is going to say the nutritionist will say fat loss is 95% nutrition. And by the way, that's true up to a point. They did a very interesting study. Now, the study is still being replicated because it's new, but they had people who averaged 10,000 steps a day for no reason, just cut back. This is the study. You're only going to walk 2,000 steps a day. Within weeks, Brett, these people who had been active, in fact, they had to stop the study because they were already sliding into type 2 diabetes. They were already falling into some other blood profile issues. It was a very short amount of time. So, yeah, on paper, what we do in the gym is only 5% fat loss. Okay, I get that. However, not exercising instantly almost turns you into a person with issues with blood profiles, insulin, and all the other hormones. So what you need to do if you just if you wake up one day and you find yourself fat uh is you want to you you want to do some hypertrophy work okay you want to do some bodybuilding you really want to you want to do some mobility work cuz mobility also assists you in keeping things going okay so the, the basic idea is just 3 to 5 times a week do a mix of basic hypertrophy is the bodybuilding numbers in the strength world okay so that's 15 to 25, maybe 30 total reps. That's three sets of eight, five sets of five, five sets of three. Push, pull, hinge, squat, load of carry. Do mobility exercises between each set. That's what I recommend. And then the moment you get done with that, go for a walk. I use heavy hands. I put ankle weights around my ankles and I take these three-pound weights. I go for a half an hour to 45 minutes. You certainly could go longer. But what happens is what you're trying to do is free up fatty acids, and you do that in the weight workout, and then that gentle walk after, (laughs) your body then uses the uh, free fatty acids to eat, and it's win-win. But really what's going to happen is it's going to be on the nutrition side. You cannot be getting calories from liquids. So, I mean, coffee, tea, water, 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 you know, (laughs) I would suggest vegetables at every meal, protein at every meal. And uh, it's, it's worked a million times, and it's going to work again. If you go to Dan John University, that's the uh, workout, the fat loss workout generator will we'll plug all that in for you. On the nutrition side, I would add one other thing, if you don't mind, Brett. I just cannot believe, the more I read and read, the destruction of the enteric system, which we also call the gut biome, through an- antibiotics, through all the stuff that's in certain foods, I guess some of the sweeteners, the artificial sweeteners are just hard on the gut biome. I strongly recommend eating sauerkraut, fermented foods once or twice a day. I eat it now at every meal. Uh, I make my own sauerkraut. I make my own pickled uh, vegetables because the, the fermented food is can be such a game changer to build up that gut biome. Everyone makes fun of it. My daughter's my but, daughter's called the butt guillaume, which it makes me <laughs> mad because I say butt biome more often now than I say gut biome. But uh, it's, it, I really think it's a missing link for many of us. It, it's really something people should consider.
0: Well, Dan, this has been a great conversation. So I guess people can go to Dan John University, find out more information about what you're doing.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, well, absolutely. And don't forget, listeners, there's a discount code for you art of man. And that'll give you instead of 29 bucks a month, that'll give you uh, three months for 29 bucks, which is a pretty good deal considering the number of things you can download. Oh, we've got to have almost 20 plus books on there and tons of articles. Great forum, a really good forum. Uh, I know I'm selling it, but I, I, I only sell things I believe in. So there you go. Okay.
0: <laughs> awesome. Well, Dan, John, thanks for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure.
1: Absolute pleasure. Let's do this sooner than later next time, okay?
0: Sounds good. My guest today was Dan John. You can find out more information about his work at his website, danjohnuniversity.com. Also use that discount code, Art of Man, give you uh, that discount that he mentioned in the podcast. And you can also check out our show notes at aom.is slash simple strength, where you find links to resources where you delve deeper into this topic. think we get something out of it. As always, thank you for the continued support. Until next time, it's Brett McKay reminding you not only listening to a podcast, but put what you've heard into action.